0: Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. The world today, then the dad. And that's, thank you for that one lonely amen and that one lonely yes. Our society is falling apart because the dads are not doing their part, amen? And I believe that that is not the case in this church, amen? But there's nothing more attacked than the Father, and the, and, the, and the priest of the home, and the head of the house, and we here in the church believe this Bible as it is, amen, and we believe that the Bible says that Christ is the head of the church, and the man is the head of the family, and that's what he's supposed to do is lead, and so today I want to challenge the men, amen, I really want to come with a challenge, and I want to ask my buddy David to come up here, Tyru, where's he at? Come on up here, David. I want to use him as, as an example this morning. Amen. This is my good buddy, David Tyru, if you guys don't know. Let's show him a little basketball thing right there, all right? <laughs> Me and him have, have gone to war a bunch of times on the basketball court together. We, we There's this thing on online now called Ball is Life, which has been around for a long time. But several years ago before I... uh, 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 how do you say it, uh, tied my shoes up for the last time and retired, although he's trying to not let me. He continually tries to keep me playing. Um, We would go around, me and him, our friend Steve, who's in Australia this morning still playing professional basketball, and uh, Mike, Brian's brother, and we would go to these gyms and we would, not to brag, we would dominate, Right. We would go to all these different 24-hour fitnesses. That's what they do on this ball is life. And they film it, and they're on media, and they go around, and they challenge people, and people challenge them. And, and I'm, every time I watch it, I'm like, man, we should we, we have had cameras. and so we, But we played uh, lots of years doing that. It was so much fun. And he, of course, played at Texas Tech in college, played professional for about eight years overseas in many different countries. As you know, I played for five years professionally, and I, what, what I want to do here is, as men in a game, when we are down or maybe we're about to start a game, we would come up and hit them in the chest, right? We would do some kind of chest hit like that. That looks weird, but it's not. Sometimes we do that too, right? Like, come on, come on, we got to, and sometimes, let's go. He just said it, okay? No, no, we didn't talk before this. He just took the word, he, let's go. Let's go. We're about to go to battle, and it's just—it's just a challenge to each other. Like you got to play better, you got to step up. Sometimes for me, it was David. You got to pass me the ball back. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Right? You got to pass it back sometimes. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Great shooter, though. Great shooter. So, anyways, that I just wanted to use that as an example because that's what I want to do to you, men, this morning. And and as well, women, you can take it, but I'm not going to hit you. Okay but this is a this is a let's go message this morning. Amen. All right. Thank you, David. So take this this morning. <laughs> Tell that person next to you, let's go. I want to do that to you, especially dads. Listen, I want you to think about you know what I preached a couple weeks ago, how society is so messed up. You start to look at the scriptures. And we have these amazing examples in the Bible, and I'm going to give you my title in a second. And When you think about it, when we think about, man, our society's messed up, it's always been messed up. There are only four chapters, four chapters in the whole Bible that don't mention sin. From Genesis to Revelation, there's only four chapters where there's not a mistake where there's not sin mentioned, where something's not wrong. That shows that this Bible is a real book about real life and real mistakes. Can I get an amen? amen. And in this book, I mean, think about this. We, we, we have a, an example in the Bible of what a family's supposed to look like. I just said it, the father leading the wife and the family together leading the children and the, and the family walking together in the things of God. And when it's right, it's right. And when it's right, it's amazing. Amen? But we live in a fallen world. We live in a sin nature. And I just started thinking about a few of the first things. You know, Adam and Eve sinned. We know that. That's what started it all. And and Adam responded by blaming his wife. They parented two male children. Just think about how things started off. They parented two male children, and one of their male children killed the other one. Not a good start. And Abraham, we know how great he was. He's God's chosen man. He had more than one wife. He he's the one that started this whole multiple wives thing, and breaking God's design. You know, the people who read the Old Testament and think that God allowed multiple wives. He never did. Abraham broke that covenant, and and so these are godly men that we're talking about who who really put us in a bad place as examples. Then you think about uh, he eventually kicks one of his wives out. Of the house with the kid. Jacob, his grand his grandson, marries several wives, like his grandpa. His twelve sons eventually sell their youngest son to their their brother into slavery. You know, I'm not reading the Mori Porovitch script here. David had many wives, and listen to this his own son raped his own daughter. Then the daughter's brother, Absalom, killed the son that raped her. That's just in the first few books. This is a messed messed up story, right? There's a lot of messed up situations here. The reason those things happened is because men did not stand up and do the right thing. They didn't have someone come over and hit them in the chest and say, come on, let's go. Let's live for God. Let's be godly men. Let's, let's be the influencer and not the influence. Can I get an amen? So we're going to go to the book of Genesis, and Dwayne was all up in my message this morning already. Like, wow, okay. Genesis chapter 6, and if you've got notes, write this down. Here's the title. Dusty like dad. Dusty like dad. Now you're not going to know what that means until the end of the service. But that's the title, Dusty, like Dad. Let's read Genesis chapter six, and here's here's discipleship. The reason, and, and again, I want to remind those that are visiting or guests. We I don't ever talk very even really to my own wife about what I'm going to preach. Every once in a while, I'll run something. I definitely ran some things off her a couple of weeks ago when I preached the whole truth. But I don't. No one knows what I'm going to preach and I don't tell the guys that are going to do the offering or the, or the opening prayer what I'm going to preach and and here's Dwayne listening to the Holy Spirit and being discipled and, and remembering this story that he's heard probably several times over the years because to me it's hard to ha- and I haven't and I always go back and look okay what did I preach last year the year before so I don't repeat myself but this story church could be could be preached not only every father's day but every Sunday because this is a picture of the days we're living in today. And we, we talked about that a couple of weeks, how the family's falling apart and everything. And I want you to read, we're going to read several scriptures here, that, that you might be reminded of what, what the days of Noah looked like. And remember, church, that Jesus said very prophetically and very clearly, as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So when we read these scriptures and we see how close we are to this, then we know this morning that we've got to be ready. Amen? Father, we ask you to anoint our ears, anoint our eyes, anoint our hearts this morning to receive your word. As we read the book of Genesis, let it come alive to us. Lord, challenge us as men especially today on this Father's Day to step up and go forward and do what God's called us to do. And we thank you for your word in Jesus' name amen Genesis chapter 6 verse 9. This is the de- genealogy of Noah Noah was a just man watch this perfect in his generation this is the, this is the, this, what this means to me church is you can be in a perverse generation and be right. you can be in a messed up place and be godly. This is what God is calling men to stand up when it's dark the light shines brighter so Noah did what I'm challenging you to do. As I hit you in the chest today and say, man, let's go. He said he walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem and Ham and Japheth. And the earth was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. Does this sound familiar? And God looked up upon the earth. And indeed it was corrupt, for all the flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And remember a couple weeks ago, in that was that last week or the week before? No, a couple weeks ago, right? I can't remember. When I, last week, wow, it seems like a couple weeks. When I preached that message, it was talking about the wrath of God and what's coming. And, and church, if we don't think the wrath of God and the judgment's coming now, it came then, and we're seeing the same situation. We're in the days of Noah and he says, it's filled with violence, and I'm going to destroy this earth. Amen? So watch this. This is important. Make yourself an, and the reason I want to read these verses is because we're going to read some very specific things here that have to do with the building. And I love what Dwayne said about every, every Father's Day. He was just doing what he was supposed to do while the world was looking at him like he was crazy. It's almost like today in today's society, if you don't drink, you don't adulterate, you don't cuss, you don't fight, you don't do all the things that everybody, everybody else does, you're weird. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of being an example and being somebody that the, the society says, man, that's a godly man right there, it's almost looked down on. Like we're weird. Yeah. So he says, make yourself an ark of go-forward, make rooms in the ark, Cover it inside and outside with pitch. And anybody who has ever built something knows what a pitch is. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. Its width, 50 cubits. Its height, 30 cubits. How many know as we begin to read that right there, we can be like, uh, How many know it's a little important to pay attention to the size of things? To pay attention to the numbers? How many people do I have in here who have ever built something with wood? Let me see your hands, men or women. Okay, how many know it's important to measure twice, cut once? Sometimes I measure three times. Because I've learned over the years, I just built a little addition onto our house, and and I've learned over the years, now as I get older, I calculate things more. When I was younger, even four years ago, younger, Dwayne, As I was over here in the the fellowship hall cutting steel with a grinder, I was a little bit ahead of myself and got in a hurry and lost respect for the grinder and just about cut my arm off. And I have 22 stitches here on my arm to show for it. Because you don't calculate things. You don't pay attention sometimes. You're dealing with dangerous tools. And now I think ahead more because I've learned I don't want to build the wall twice. I don't want to get to the end of the wall, Joe. Amen. Joe knows about building and, and be a half an inch off. Because a half an inch doesn't seem like much, but in construction, it's a lot, isn't it, Jerry? That half inch is going to mess you up later. And how many how many of that have ever built something? And thank God, as I was telling my wife last night, for silicone, for caulking. How many are thankful for that? It's like the blood of Jesus. It covers a multitude of sins. It covers things up. Amen. So specific, this is important because sometimes we read or we're going through life or we're making decisions and we don't think the little details are important. This is important. You shall make a window for the ark. How about not paying attention to that part? And you shall finish it to a cubit from above. Now I know we don't understand. I probably should have done this in New Living Translation for sizes, cubits and all that. We don't use that. But how many know it's important that where he put that window had a a really important place? Because there was going to be some water, and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing flood waters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which the is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. And I will establish, or sorry, but I will establish my covenant with you dads men and also women and teenagers God wants to establish a covenant with you he wants you not to think about who else is in the covenant with God but this is where we talk about it being personal and God wants to establish a covenant with you personally Young men, especially teenagers, you're about to go to camp and we're so excited to see all these young men and young ladies sitting on the front row. It blesses me when I look down and see these young people taking notes and writing things down and and listening and paying attention. You can make a decision now. That you're gonna be a godly man all your life. You don't have to go to jail. You don't have to get someone pregnant. You don't have to have loss. You don't have to get into drugs. You can make a a decision right now. I'm gonna be a man of covenant, whether or not you have a father who is. Because in a church where God is being words being preached, there's no excuse because this is you saw here today you might not have a godly man in your life or maybe you do your dad may come here or he may not but you have a whole bunch of men that you can look up to a whole bunch of men that you can listen to. I like how John and Ceci will bring into our youth group many times. They'll bring speakers from our church to come in and talk about alcohol or drugs or life because they're giving life lessons to these kids. And as you know, that's something that I never got as a teenager, that I, that I was angry about for many years, that no one ever spoke the truth to me. So men, teenagers, young people, you can make a covenant with God right now. And you shall go into the ark... And here's the challenge, here's the chest bump, here's the let's go. You, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. How many want you and your wife and your sons' wives, your family, your grandkids, everybody to follow you in the ways of the Lord? Amen. And of every living thing of all the flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark. And I'm still mad today at Noah. Do you have some things you wish Noah would have killed? For those of you that know, don't know that I, how much I hate summer, one of the main reasons that I hate summer is all the bugs. And when I kill a bug, especially I'm doing something outside the house or something, I say, no, 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 no. Um, it's not personal. So I tell him, it's not personal. That spider, bam, it's not personal. But I just wish Noah would have squatted that stinking mosquito before it went into the ark and, and squashed that cockroach. Amen. And you can throw, the, throw in there what you want to throw in that you wish he would have killed. Two of some, for some reason, two of everything came in. Sometimes you look at like, I was thinking yesterday, what in the world is a, some, I know someone's got an answer. What in the world does a mosquito do that helps? I know there's a reason. So keep them alive with you. And you think about the places that kept the mosquitoes alive and the spiders and the scorpions. And they shall be, help me say this and move on quick so I don't chase that rabbit. Male, wow, even in the animal kingdom, male. And female. Okay, let's go on. That was a couple weeks. That was last week. Of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind, two of every kind will come to you. Keep them alive. And you shall take. See, someone should. Noah should have killed that bug right there. You shall take for yourself of all the food that is eaten. How many know it's important to pay attention to this part? You shall gather it to yourself. It shall be food for you and for them. And last verse here, I want you to see, Noah did. Noah did according to a few of the things that God told him to do. Church, we've got we've to major in the minors. We've got to try to pay attention. And I'm going to give you a couple of hit-in-the-chest examples this morning in a minute about paying attention to the details. No one is perfect on this. No one has it all together. No one does it right, but we should be trying. We should be reaching for the stars so we don't come up with that fist full of mud. We should be trying to be perfect like God. We should be trying to be the best. I have it on my goals every single year since I started making goals. God help me be the best dad. the best husband. The best son, the best brother, the best pastor, the best leader that I can be. Help me be that. That should be a goal. I'm gonna fall short. I'm gonna make mistakes, but I'm reaching and I wanna do everything you command me to do. How many are recognizing in this story how important it is to pay attention to detail? And so everything God commanded to do, he what? Did. When you're building something, again, those, those little uh, sizes, and uh, there was a certain amount of people that had to fit on that boat, and, and God had a plan, and so we have to pay attention to these things. Now, here's where Dwayne got into my message, but I want to read chapter 7, just three verses. He read one. He picked the one in the, at the end, at least. But watch this, Genesis 7-1. Three different verses in Genesis I want you to see. And right before you put that up, let's take it off for just a second. This, this is what I want you to picture. And it was led in so well, and don't change anything you said in the second service. Sometimes we, we do that because it's the second service, but people in the second service haven't heard it. So act like you didn't hear me. But the reason this is so powerful is because this is a perverse generation, a generation that is so bad that God is about to destroy it, all of it. He even says in Genesis 6, in another verse that we didn't read, He said, I wish that I would not have even made man. Now that can, that can be a whole other thing to chase, and we wonder why did God make us then, and all those different things. And I've got an answer that will fill all the blanks in. Free will. We're humans, and God made us to have a choice. Why this and why that? Free will. If He doesn't give us free will, then we're robots. And if we're robots, we're not humans. So there's your answer. Why? 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 Free will. Just get that in your head. Free will. Bad things happen because people have free will and they make the choice to do bad things. Good things happen because people have free will and they make the choice to do good things. Period. Okay? But here... He's in this perverse generation and he's building this thing for years and years and years. And as Dwayne said, they're they're making fun of him just like they're making fun of us today when we talk about Jesus coming back. Well, they're not going to be making fun of us when we're gone. Amen. Who's going? Who's going this morning? Are we going? How many are ready? You watching and waiting and praying and looking? So verse verse 1 of chapter 7 says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Father, Dad, man, I hit you on the chest, and I say, let's go. Let's be godly men. Let's be righteous men in this perverse generation. Verse verse 7 of chapter 7. So Noah, with his sons... His wife and his son's wives went into the ark because of the waters of the flood. And verse 13, on that very day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem and Japheth. Isn't it interesting that this is the third time we're seeing a verse in 13 verses saying the same thing. Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. Parents, fathers, our goal is to get our kids to heaven. If they don't go, it's our responsibility. But if they choose not to go, it will not be our fault if we're doing what God's called us to do. Unfortunately, some people are going to choose their own path. And they're going to make the way, lead the, follow the way of destruction, the Bible says. But you do your part. You live your life unto God. And you let the rest fall in where it falls. Can I get a better amen? So this is so powerful because those men were grown men. And he didn't have to pay them. He didn't have to beg him. We don't know all the conversation that went on. But the truth is, in the perverse generation, he got on that boat and those men who are his sons saw something in their dad that said, I'm going to follow this man into this boat that he's been building. And like that was said earlier, I don't care what he did or what he thinks. He knows something. And I've watched his life over and over again. And I'm following dad. And because he did, They did. They were saved. Amen. Here's a chest punch. A man comes home. Listen very closely, men, from work late again. Tired and irritated. He finds his five-year-old waiting for him at the door. I remember, and I want this now with my grandkids. I remember the most exciting thing I wanted with my daughters was them to get to the age where they were waiting for me at the door. Then when I came in and they said, Daddy, that was the thing I, that's the thing I looked forward to the most, that they were going to run up to me when I walked through the door. And now I'm looking forward to that with my grandkids. And Briar's getting there closer every day, running around. But he's waiting for his dad. And, and, and he says, Dad, can I ask you a question? And the dad says, Sure, what is it? How much money do you make an hour? And the dad got mad. He was irritated. He was tired. He said, son, that's none of your business, but why do you want to know? The little boy said, I just want to know. Please tell me, how much do you make an hour? And the little boy sighed. Sorry, he says, all right, if you must know, I make $20 an hour. Do you even understand what that means? The little boy sighed and dropped his head, and he looked back up at his dad, and he said, Dad, can I borrow $10, please? And the father flew off the handle. He said, the only reason you wanted to know how much money I make an hour is so you could hit me up for some money? What do you want, some dumb toy? What do you want? He goes, you march yourself straight to your room and go to bed. You're so selfish. I work long, hard hours, and I get home, and you ask me for money. The little boy quietly went to his room and shut the door. The dad sat down and started to get even more upset about the nerve of his little boy asking how much he made and, and asking him for money. But after about an hour or so, he had calmed down. He started to think, maybe maybe I was a little hard on my boy. Maybe my son really needs this for something important. So the father goes to the boy's room and says, Son, are you asleep? No, Daddy, I'm awake. He says, I've been thinking maybe I was a little too hard on you. It's been a long day, and I took it out on you, and I'm sorry. Here's that $10 you asked for. The boy gets excited, sits up beaming and says daddy thank you and he reaches under his pillow and he pulls out a wad of crumpled old bills and the dad seeing that he already had some money got angry again the little boy starts counting his money and he looks up at his dad and now the dad's ticked off and he says why did you want more money if you already had some the little boy replied cuz I didn't have enough but now I do. Daddy, now I have $20. Can I buy an hour of your time? That's a chest punch right there. Take the chest punch. That little those kids don't care how much money you make. Those kids don't care what kind of car you drive. Those kids don't care how many houses are in your how many rooms are in your house. And I'm talking from a kid of experience. Those kids want daddy's time. Take the chest punch. Take the time to understand that your kids know more than you think they do. And they're smarter than you think they are. Amen. Are you still here, men? I was waiting for you to, let's go back to me, but you didn't do it. That's all right. That's all right. I know I got you thinking. That's a chest punch. Amen. First Kings chapter 2. I want to challenge you as I begin to close of a thought. David challenged. Now, this is an interesting thought. How many know when we we do something or plan something or, or try to do something right, it doesn't always mean it's going to turn out right but we should still do it. David is about to give a charge to his son Solomon. Has anybody read your Bible to see how Solomon turned out? It's like when we read the story just now, you already knew the boys were going to get on because you'd already heard it. They were going to get on the ark. We already know as David is challenging Solomon in this verse we're about to read, he's going to mess up. But David couldn't say, you know what? My son might mess up on this, so I'm not going to challenge him. And my son might not live the life I want him to live, so I'm just going to live my life however I want. We do things the right way, and we pray that God blesses it. And we pray that people that are watching do what we've asked them to do, and that's all we can do. All you can do is live your life the way you're supposed to live it and let God be God. Does that take some pressure off you? Not to not do your part, but you can't change somebody. You can't make somebody follow you. It's like when we pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and and I want everybody to have it. I want everybody to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm not the baptizer. So I have to say, and me and Pastor Dylan were talking about this, I have to say, I'm not the baptizer. I'm going to preach on the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's going to do what the Holy Spirit does, and I can't control it. And I also can't control the people who, who should want it. Are you all with me? We do what we're supposed to do in the eyes of God. So 1 Kings chapter 2, he says, verse 1, As the days of David near, near, drew near that he should die, he charged Solomon. He, he, he chest bumped him. He said, let's go. I go all the way of the earth. He says, be strong, therefore. And watch this. Prove yourself a man. let me know the definition of proving yourself a man is very different today than what the Bible calls it. And keep the charge of the Lord your God. Walk in his ways to keep his statutes. Now as we're reading this church, how many realize that as David is giving this charge to Solomon, Solomon has seen David do great and mighty things for God. But Solomon has also seen David fail. Notice he's not excusing his failures and saying, you saw me mess up, don't hold that against me. He's at a place now, he's gotten past his failures. He's not focusing on his failures. He's focusing on the fact that he's about to finish the race. And I need you to finish the race too. You can learn from my mistakes, but don't let my mistakes cause you not to make it. He says, keep his statutes. His commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses. And for us today, it's the whole Bible. That you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. That the Lord may fulfill his word which he spoke concerning me, saying, If, can somebody shout out the word if real loud? Yes. There's the free will. If, 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 your sons take heed to their way. To walk before me in truth and with all their heart and all their soul. He says, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. God says, do right this morning, men. God says, as we know what godly character is, do right when no one's looking. The definition, if you haven't heard it for a while, men and women of godly character is what you do when nobody's watching. Not how you act in church. Not even how you act around your family. But what are you watching? What are you listening to? How do you act and what do you do when nobody but God is watching? That's the definition of a godly character and a godly man. Because he's watching. And you'll see in a moment that more than we think, and off this prior story, our kids are watching more than we think. As I close, write these down, men: Signs of a man, attributes of a man, characteristics of a man who's doing it right. These are things that, it may sound redundant and repetitive, but these are things our kids, and this is for the women too, must see in us on a daily basis. Notice I did not say on Sundays and Wednesdays. On a daily basis. Number one, love. This man must love. Must be compelled by love. If you don't have enough love in your life, man... Father, get to the altar and fall in love with Jesus again. And you'll have enough love to do what God calls you to do this morning. So a godly man, first and foremost, loves his God. We talked about this Wednesday night about the desires of your heart. If you didn't hear that or see that, go back and listen to it. It talks about how we have to put God first in everything. Everything. God's, li- our lives, church, revolve around God. Too many people sitting in church services on a Sunday morning, this morning, around the world are making their God work around their life. And that's just a fact. When you give your life to Jesus, He's number one. He's everything. He's the first and the last. He's everything in between. And your kids will see that. So a man loves God among, um, over everything else. Another thing is a man loves his wife. Thank you for that one lonely but very powerful amen, Pastor Mario. We learn very powerfully in discipleship that the true picture of a man is how he loves his wife. And listen closely, parents, and men especially, the best thing you can do for your kids is love your wife. I'm going to say that again, men. The best thing, not, not how much money you make, not how talented you are, going back, not none of those things. Your kids are watching how you love and treat your wife. Can I get another better amen? I just feel like I need to stay here for a second. This is this isn't flowers on an anniversary. This is notes on the car. This is flowers on a when they say what what, what, what at the store, what are you buying flowers for? Is it is it your anniversary? No, it's just because. It's just because. It's things that you do that they may or may not be watching, but sometimes they're watching. And I thank God. I say this. It's been a good start, and hopefully it's a good finish. I thank God for my two sons-in-laws who treat my daughters very well. They give them flowers. They give them candy. They love on them. But if they weren't getting that, they would not have good marriages because they saw their mom get it. I'm not saying that to toot my horn. I'm saying your kids are paying attention. They're watching. So a man, a godly man loves his wife, protects his wife, cherishes his wife, loves on his wife. A godly man loves the word of God. Doesn't just read it because he knows he has to. Doesn't just read it during the week because he has to give a verse at the interactive discipleship. It's because he loves God's word. Amen. Amen. He loves his house and everybody in it. He loves his house, not, not not the physical part of it. He loves the opportunity to be a dad and a husband and a father and lead his home and make sure that his home is a sanctuary for the Holy Spirit. He loves people. A godly man loves people. Get over, oh, I don't like people. Get over that. Not only can you not be in the ministry, you can't be saved if you don't like people. You have to love people, and if you don't love people, then get to the altar and say, "Lord, help me fall in love with Jesus, so I can love people." Because you have to love people. You have to love people. That was a good golf clap. You know, make me fall asleep. I feel like I'm watching golf. It's the best thing to sleep to. If you need to sleep in there afternoon, just watch some golf. And walking up to the third hole. And, not, and last one, but not least, and this isn't all of them, but I think it's the most of them. A, a godly man loves the truth at all costs. The truth. The whole truth, as I preached last week, and nothing but the truth. There's a desire in a godly man, and I'm chest pumping you, chest punching you, hitting you in the chest, saying, let's go. Amen. Let's go for God. If you haven't been this kind of a man before today, get up and start. Start filling in the blanks. Start working on some of these things. Start dealing with some of these things. Say, God, help me. One of the things that I I prayed for the most, and God knows this is the truth in the ministry, and I've said this a few times over the years, probably been a while since I've said it, is I never wanted to be the preacher. That's on its own. I never wanted to be a preacher either. But I never wanted to be the preacher who was preaching a message in the church and look over at his his kids and his wife and see smirks. Like, hmm. Because you can't say stuff like that about a a godly man loves his wife if you don't love your wife because your wife's going to be over there smirking. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds good right? Kids are going to be like, hmm, yeah. And if that's the case today, change. Let's go. Come on, get out of that, let's go. Let's be godly men. Let's be godly fathers. Let's be godly husbands. Let's be godly leaders. Let's go. As the musicians come, what does my title mean? I've never preached a message like this before where the title was at the end. Never. I love new stuff. Dusty like dad. There was a man, and I can relate to this, who started a new church in a new city. church plant. That's what we're about. Hopefully at this conference we're going to start some churches around the world. And so since he was just starting the church, obviously he had to Work. A part time job. He was trying to build the church, but he had to have a job. And so he was working at a sawmill to supplement his income. And, I, and I, I, this just hits home to me this week. I says I was doing a little addition at the house and sawmill everywhere, or wood mill, whatever you call it, dust. Is that what it's called? Sawdust, thank you. Sawdust everywhere. It's like sand gets everywhere. And so he's working at this sawmill, and so every single day he comes home, and from work, and his boys, three and four, always would look at him and say, Dad, you sure are dusty. And he would look down and say, Yes, I am dusty. And then he would go get cleaned up. This happened over and over, every day. He'd walk in, Dad, you sure are Dusty. Yes, I sure am. Didn't think too much of it until one day he's washing his car. And he looks over at his oldest son, his four-year-old, doing something very strange. He's going down to the ground of the the driveway and picking up gravel and dirt and putting it in his pockets and rubbing it on his chest and rubbing it on his face. All over himself. And the father says, son, what are you doing? He says, I want to be dusty like you, dad. That's what it's about. Whatever you're doing, your kids want to be that. Don't underestimate, men, especially if your kids are younger, how much you're, and they may not tell you it. And kids, you should be better at telling your your father if he's doing a good job. Tell him. Tell your dad. Dad, you're doing a good job. Thank you for providing for me. Thank you for loving on me. They, They need to hear it. Wives, if your wife's do, if your husband's doing a good job, thank him. Can I get, thank you for that one amen, Myra. God bless you. Amen. Honey, did you say amen over there? Okay, I thought you did. I thought you did. It was just quiet. She's not very loud. She don't scream. Right? Thank him, But they're watching, and they're going to do what they see dad do. And, and they're going to follow because they're watching every little detail of every little thing that goes on. Father, today as we listen to your word, thank you for your word. Thank you for a Bible that is not fake. It's real. It's full of stories, full of truth. And God, one of the things I love the most about your word is that you don't hide things. I mean, this book started off beautiful, gorgeous, amazing, wonderful, And that lasted just about two chapters. And then all hell broke loose because you gave us free will. And time after time after time, we see the battle between sin and the sin nature and godly men and women who stand up and say, I'm going to be different. In a perverse generation, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be dusty. Like my dad. I'm going to get in there and get dirty. I'm going to get in there and work. I'm going to get in there and, and follow the footsteps of my dad. Whatever sacrifice he makes, whatever he does, I'm right there with him. Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning. Challenge these men. And Lord, I have the authority to do it because they've given me the opportunity to speak into their lives. And I have two godly men, right, that come off the three godly men that come into my mind this morning. And those three godly men got texts from me thanking them on Father's Day. Because I honor them and thank them for being in my life as examples. Two pastors and one dad. Lord, thank you for godly men in my life who speak truth to me. Who helped me be the godly man that I want to be? Not that I am, but that I want to be. The godly father, the godly husband, the godly leader. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this place, I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit here because I feel a desire. I can feel in my spirit that these men are, are hitting me back in the chest and saying, Let's go, Pastor. Let's go. Let's be godly men. Let's be leaders. Let's be godly fathers. Let's do it, pastor. Let's go. Hold me accountable. How many in this place this morning, though, you, you could never be that godly man because you're not saved. You can't be godly if God is not the Lord of your life. Because you are like who you hang out with. If Jesus is not Lord of your life today, He can be. How many all across this place listening to the sound of my voice, young person, old person, middle aged person, you're not saved. Just say, Pastor, pray for me today. Today on Father's Day, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Just lift up your hand. You've never done it. I'm not asking if you go to church. I'm not asking if you're a member of a church. I'm not asking those questions. I'm asking, Is Jesus Christ Lord of your life? If you died today, Are you born again? Would you enter heaven? Would you meet God as judge or savior? If you don't know him as savior today, just lift up that hand and I'll pray with you. Amen. Let's stand all across this place. If you're today, if you know him and you're not walking with him, take the time to spend some time at this altar as we close this service out and pray. You know what, I'm looking at the clock, which I hate in the first service, and we're a little past time, but you know what? These are the kind of messages our church needs. We need challenges, especially to the men of our church. Amen? Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.